Welcome to Unfiltered for the week of October 17th. My name is Don McLeod, and as usual, I'm joined by Fazel Khan. Good morning, Don. All right, let's get to it. Uh, there's a couple things we want to cover. First off, in Mississauga, one of the big playgrounds for uh, kids of all ages is closing after 20 years, Palladium. I know that uh, I used to take my nieces and nephews there when they were growing up. I know that you have a couple of kids, Faz. I'm sure that, you know, you've taken them over the years. It's a uh, it's a prime location in Mississauga. A lot of speculation in regards to what's going to go up in the place, but uh, you have a short clip of uh, one of their uh, go-karts. Yeah, I remember taking my nieces and nephews there. There was a lot of fun. It's a big area too. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. sad to see it closing, but uh, what's interesting is the Palladium sent out a message saying that they were closing down, um, and they didn't say why, and I think they implied it was the, it was the uh, pandemic. And then uh, a couple of days later, they reissued it saying it was because of uh, new redevelopment uh -huh. plans. And, and they didn't uh, clarify what, what that was. And then they also had to make sure that everybody knew that the other locations in Brampton, and I think in Whitby, are still open. When places like that develop, uh, it's sad to see kind of the things that people want to do there disappear so that you can put more. I'm assuming it's going to be a condo or something like that, but hopefully there's some kind of you know, a uh, venue for people to do things because that area is, it's just a lot of condos and there's a movie theater. I'm not sure if there's, there's anything else there. Yeah, it's a Cineplex and there's shopping centers and stuff like that, right? So yeah, it's, you know what? That's just the nature of, I guess, cities. Everything moves and changes on a regular basis. So next we're gonna go up to Caledon. Anyone who's actually lived in Peel for any length of time knows Downey's Farm. I mean, it's, uh, when I first moved up here, uh, I moved up around the Beauvert and Bramley Road area. The only thing north of me was the Mormon church, and then there was Downey's Farm that I go to get corn, and they had this, this basically flatbed farm tractor that they were selling corn by the side of the road. I'm sure I bought it from Joanna Downey when she was a kid because she's a counselor now up in Caledon. But uh, you also have a clip from them, uh, Faz, so let's yeah, hey. hear what they have to say about uh, their pumpkin Hey, everyone, patch. it's Darlene from Downey's Farm. We want to let you know that yes, we are open. While all of our pumpkins may not be displayed on our front lawn like they have in years past, we want to ensure you that we still have thousands of pumpkins available for sale. They are displayed in bins such as these around the farm. We made the decision to move all of our pumpkins into these bins as Peel Region moved back to a modified stage two last week. We want to ensure that Downey's Farm is being part of the solution moving forward. Well, that's interesting. Uh, you know, like uh, 30 years they've been doing that where they lay all the pumpkins out on the lawn and everybody can go in and take their selfies and pictures. But, you know, COVID-19 has impacted all sorts of industries. So at least they're still selling their pumpkins. And, uh, you know, that's something, right? Well, apparently the, pumplin, the pumpkins are huge this year. I think they had a good season. Uh, the rain came at the right time. So, and if you look at the pictures, if you saw those pictures, those are some big pumpkins. So uh, definitely go out there yeah. today if you can. Well, their maze that they have there, that's still open as well. They're just asking, you know, I think they're selling tickets online for that where you can go in. It's just, you know, they're obviously there's there's social distancing involved. They're not letting as many people go through the maze. But I'm pretty sure that's open as well as, as their general store as well. So segueing into that, uh, you know, uh, we had a Peel Regional Halloween Task Force that was... Uh, waiting for a protocol. I guess they're finished because the uh, FCM, the, uh, the uh, Federation of uh, Canadian Municipalities, came out with a statement earlier this week saying they want to have uh, basically protocol across the board for all municipalities and uh, they're going to be setting up something. We haven't heard anything. So I hope they realize that basically Halloween is only two weeks away and people want to know what that protocol is. 
At this point in time, it uh, reminds me of the old joke about a two-car funeral, right? Well, I want to know if I need to buy candies or not, so I don't know what to do yeah. then. I'm, I'm stuck. By the way, well, I heard yesterday in, uh, in Toronto, there was, there was a plumber who put out a promotion. He created this, uh, I guess, a four-inch PVC pipe with some, I don't know, he's going to attach it to your, uh, your front door so that you can, you know, like we talked about last week, drop candy down it. Yeah. And I think he was uh, charging $25. He'd come and set it up for you. <laughs> and apparently 400 people in Toronto signed up for this service. So he had to basically said he's not doing it, doing it anymore. And he was raising money for charity. <laughs> so uh, he's got to make 400 well, of these good. things. Probably going to take a couple well, of weeks. Well, the only just thing is, I mean, I saw that and it was like, okay, you duct tape a basically, you know, a five or a six inch PVC pipe to your railing. Well, if you don't have a railing or if you live in an apartment building, I mean, what are you going to do? Hold this thing out and what happens if you have bags of chips? What, what, you know, you stick it in. Is it going to be like you're going to shoot it on? You know, next week, if we don't hear from the FCM or municipalities about what they're going to do for protocol for Halloween, I'm going to actually have on the show someone who's a Halloween expert, and we can talk to them about what kind of protocols they would recommend. How about that? I, I am a Halloween expert, Don. I can answer your no, questions. This, this person will give us a whole bunch of different ideas that you haven't even thought of. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Now, more, no, more importantly, so, we got the big topic. Yeah, Brampton Beast, right? Uh, we're back in Brampton, and uh, this week they received a report from MMP. Uh, in 2016, the council, in their infinite wisdom, decided to give uh, the Brampton Beast $1.5 million, basically a corporate bailout uh, for a three-year period. Now, this, is co this company that owns the Brampton Beast is, is out of Kingston, Ontario. And with sales of 350 to 400 million in, in sales yearly. And they decided to give $1.5 million to this, to this organization, which made no sense to staff at the time. They recommended against it, but City Council, in their infinite wisdom, I think it was an 8 to 2 or an 8 to 3 vote, decided to give it. So they, they got basically a report from MMP. I guess staff couldn't do a report, which makes you wonder what staff is there for. So they hired MNP, which costs the taxpayers again on top of the $1.5 million. A report from MNP, the MNP report came back in September and uh, this week they, they uh, you know, presented it to council. Basically, uh, they were looking for an audit on a return on investment and the audit report said there wasn't enough data supplied by uh, the Brampton Beast in regards to return on investment, and they figured that basically the city lost close to a million dollars on that deal as well. You know, we have a couple clips from Martin Medeiros, uh, Jeff Bowman, and uh, Michael Pileschi. Let's talk about Martin Medeiros first. So he voted against it, so obviously this was his opportunity yep. to kind of say, I told you so, and here we go. A good example of, uh, you know, strong political pressure, uh, staff put in an impossible situation, uh, then they do their best, there's not forthcoming with information, and now we have this sort of landmine of a report that certainly is embarrassing to this municipality, and a, a report, especially on the face of, you know, being in council, listening to what we put community organizations through the hoops for five, ten thousand dollars Yeah, and so he's got a point. And so the, the two councillors that spoke up who were on council when this was, decision was made and voted in favor of it were Councillor Bowman and Councillor Pileschi. So let's hear what uh, Councillor Bowman had to say. And the Brampton Beast, if I remember, did bring a steam study that indicated about, I, I think it was roughly three million a year in spin-off benefits. When those are presented, are those are those fully tangible? What about the intangible benefits that were provided to the city of the Brampton Beast because they were here, 
attending all sorts of charitable activities for a, a very large number of charitable organizations, raising money for them, um, also employing, um, I don't know the exact number, but several adults uh, with special needs. How do we quantify intangible benefits of things like that? Yeah, so Councillor Bowman is kind of still trying to pull out of the air some benefits of the of the deal, trying to justify the original decision, and it's hard to do that. Uh, MNP basically said there wasn't enough data to even say that. Uh, but so Councillor Pelleschi took it a step further. Let's hear what he had to say. The report that I'm looking at clearly states that um, the city of Brampton had no backstop independent city data to verify the advertising is being uh, put forward. So very an include inclusive report and I guess if members want to say that you know it was a bad idea to uh, to invest in the beast from the beginning I guess it was a bad idea to invest in this consultant's report because basically it tells us very nothing yeah so you have those uh, those two you have those two councillors uh, councillor Bowman and Pileshi still to this day thinking it's a good idea to throw 1.5 million dollars of taxpayers money to an organization that's basically owned by, by a company that makes over $400 million in sales yearly. That makes a lot of sense. I know that uh, Pileshi at the very end, uh, he was talking, he said, well, it's worth it to see smiles on kids' face. Well, I'm gonna tell you something, uh, Councillor Pileshi, I can put a smile on a kid's face for a hell of a lot less than $1.5 million. And as for staff, staff couldn't write the report in the beginning. They hired MMP to do a third party review. And then they wrote their report and they said it was inconclusive because there wasn't enough data. Well, according to me, if there's not enough data, that makes it very conclusive that it was a bad deal from the get-go. Yeah, because if, there were, if it was a good deal, you'd have data to support it. People would go and find this data. And uh, well, Council Pileshi also pulled in Neighborhood Watch into this conversation, trying to compare the, the uh, funding that, that our group got to run the Neighborhood Watch program as a pilot for one year to this $1.5 million uh, bailout. And uh, I think that was completely inappropriate. And you know, this is not the venue to talk about Neighborhood Watch, but uh, you know, I, I, I'm still defending everything that we did with Neighborhood Watch. And any counselor that wants to come on and argue me with that, I'm, I'm more than willing to do it. Oh, absolutely. And the quantitative, you know, uh, Councillor Bowman brought up quantitative. We hire 18 students every year for four years to run Neighborhood Watch. It's a $100,000 investment from the, federal, uh, from the federal government over four years. And we employ 18 students. That will not be happening in the future. So you can thank, you know, those who uh, voted in favor of canceling Neighborhood Watch for that. You know, this month is uh, Small Business Month. Um, it's a situation where uh, last week Doug Ford decided to put basically Peel Region back into a modified stage two. I think he gave restaurants probably two days notice before they had to close down for 28 days, which, you know, that's, you know, after going for four months of dealing with what they had to do for restaurants and bars, whether it be a patio season, they had to have social distancing, they could only do takeout, and now this uh, on top of that. So, you know, we reached out to one of the owners uh, of, uh, the, you know, one of the, one of the busiest uh, restaurants, uh, bars, if you want to call it, uh, in the hospitality industry in Brampton. Uh, it's Jay Red & Co. It's um, located on Maiden Vauden, and uh, joining us today is uh, Jason Rosso, who is the owner. Welcome, Jason. Thanks, Don. Thanks for having me on today. I really appreciate it. So that that announcement by Doug Ford must have been a real kick in the teeth last week. Well, let me let me just clarify something quick for you. Uh, you'd said in your intro there, um, two days. We uh, noticed we actually only had about nine hours of notice uh, before we had to close <laughs> down. 
And um, and what happened was uh, it was Friday, last Friday, uh, going into the Thanksgiving Day weekend. Uh, no deliveries coming on Monday. So most restaurants, including us, would have bought all of our weekend supplies to come in on Thursday and Friday morning. So they would have been ordered and paid for, shipped to the restaurant, hoping to have a busy weekend or even a reasonable weekend to go through your inventory of all the product you just bought. And what ended up happening was at 1 o'clock on Friday afternoon, we were told by midnight, uh, or 2 o'clock on Friday afternoon, uh, we were told by midnight that we were done. We're done for 28 days. And all you have, you still have takeout, but I mean, we're, we were really a takeout business. We just started the takeout. So all of a sudden we're sitting with fridges full of product uh, that we just purchased. And then within eight hours, we're shut down again. You know, like that's, that's money out of your pocket that you've invested, you put into product, and now you can't do anything with it. And I'm sure there's going to be spoilage on something like that. Yeah, I mean, after the weekend, we've had a huge amount of waste. The, the product came in, we closed. We did very, very little takeout because, again, we we're, we're not really set up for a heavy takeout restaurant. Certainly not what we were expecting. And then by Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, you've got you've got a ton of stuff in the freezer and fridge. Not so much the freezer, but the fridge that, uh, that you just can't use. And so, you know, you're, you're trying to take it home. You're giving it to the staff. But, I mean, it's all supposed to be revenue-generating inventory, right? Like, you're supposed yeah. to be able to... Yeah. To, to make money off of it so that you can pay your bills and stuff like that. And instead, we, we know we're giving it away. I'm glad the staff are getting it. I'm glad that I'm taking it home to my family. But but the reality is, is that that's all allotted for profitable or, or even just revenue-based income, you know? So so it was a big, it was a really big problem for us. Yeah, and the problem is, I mean, Doug Ford said, well, let me see the data. Let me see the data before down, I close any restaurants down. And then two days later, you know, without any data, I decided to do it. So, you know, like you didn't have any traces back to your restaurant in regards to patrons or anybody else that was there that had COVID, did you? No, no, we have, a, we have an excellent um, COVID protocol system in place. So we spent thousands of dollars on ensuring that we have, you know, hand sanitizers, uh, social distancing. Uh, yeah, you know, we've got a big enough restaurant that we can social distance really well. So the tables are really nicely spaced apart. Uh, we follow lots of rules. We really enforce the rules of the mask wearing. Uh, we had no, we had no issues in our restaurant. Had no issues in our restaurant at all uh, with COVID uh, from the staff. My staff's very conscientious about it. So you know, everybody's very concerned. We take it very seriously. I take it very seriously. Uh, we believe in 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 following the rules. Um, and so, so yeah, it just ended up costing us a lot of money uh, to, to, to get the, the restaurant set up, to open for such a little time, and then to be shut down again. Yeah, I don't understand. I mean, they have a grading system for restaurants where the bylaw officers come in, they give you a green pass or a red or fail. I don't understand why they couldn't do that for this situation. If a restaurant is following on the protocols and the Peel Regional of Health doesn't have any traceability back to that restaurant, they give it a green pass or, you know, like with the food as well as the COVID. I don't understand why, right, everything is shut down across the board. They you know, they keep businesses open. Amazon Warehouse up in Brampton had cases. They keep that open. You know, we have cases linked to the transportation industry and the food industry in Brampton. They keep those open. Like, I, I don't understand the logic involved in that, in, in my estimation. Yeah, you know what? It's funny. Uh, I mean, I, I, not that I want to be lamenting about anything, but restaurants in, in almost any situation always tend to be the whipping boy uh, of, of whatever thing is happening. And I think in this situation, I understand that our business is social. Uh, I understand that it's fundamentally part of what restaurants are about is, is doing groups of people that are celebrating together uh, with alcohol or food. So that's obviously more high risk. Um, but, you know, what I found is is uh, we haven't seen I haven't seen a lot of like and I, th I think we as people haven't seen a lot of conclusive data that all of these cases are happening in restaurants, for instance. You know, um, right. sure, there's offenders, out there, but there's offenders in every industry. You know, there's lots of guys downtown right. uh, that have these resto bars that just don't give a shit. Oh, sorry. Don't give a don't give a care. 
It's okay. Don't worry about it. We're not on mainstream TV. <laughs> All right, perfect. <laughs> uh, they don't care about following the rules, and they're you know they're they're, they're more interested in making the quick buck. But most restaurant operators I know are really following uh, COVID protocols and are ensuring safe environments. And I don't even know how much uh, cases are coming up in restaurants, you know, or, or or in restaurants like mine, anyways, that are that are restaurants and not really bars or nightclubs. Um, but one of the things we found, one of the things I found really was it almost didn't matter whether they shut us down or they didn't shut us down because. Uh, you know, there was so much media hype around how, how bad COVID was with the kids going back to school. Our numbers were plummeting. Nobody was coming out anyways. The restaurant was, yeah. you know, you'd be sitting there on a Saturday night and there'd literally be nobody. And you know, and you know how big J-Red is. I mean, it's 265 seats. Yeah. It's really, really depressing to see an entire restaurant sitting empty at 7.30 on a Saturday night, you know? Well, the thing is, going forward, I know that since COVID, I mean, uh, out of Toronto, they said that 60 restaurants have closed. And some of these restaurants are high-end restaurants that have been around Toronto for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. And you have big chains even uh, closing stores. I know Pizza Hut, Starbucks, uh, Applebee's. I mean, they're closing chains because of the chain reaction. But a lot of people don't understand, uh, you know, what the hospitality industry does. You've got liquor sales, you drive the liquor sales. You've got linen sales, you've got cleaners, you've got food suppliers. You know, there's a whole bunch of different things that the hospitality industry brings to a local economy. You're buying produce from local economy, you're buying the booze, you're buying, you know, linen services, as I said before. You know, plus you're employing people on the hospitality level, and that's one thing. You know, they close down in Peel. People just go outside of Peel to, to, for other restaurants, but you know, the other thing is retention of staff, right? I mean, if you get a good general manager, you know, and I know, I've been in the bar business as well when I was younger, you know, trying to get good wait staff or good bar managers. I mean, if, if they're closed for 28 days, they'll just go to another municipality and then you have to retrain again. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's, uh, it was a really unusual move to shut down just regions like Peel, um, you know, Peel, Toronto and Ottawa and not shut everybody down because I mean, and now that York is closing and we're probably going to see Halton close and Durham close and all these places. Uh, it's, I think it's going to be inevitable at some point that all the, everything's going to be in a lockdown again. Um, the reality is, is you know, I've been in the restaurant business for 35 years, 14 different countries, I've, and, and I've dealt with almost all kinds of situations that you can deal with in the restaurant business. This is obviously new to me. I've never had to deal with a pandemic before and how to navigate a restaurant through a pandemic. Uh, but in my professional opinion, I think we haven't even seen uh, started scratching the surface on the on the closures and the, the bloodbath that's coming down. Uh, through the hospitality industry. I mean, the best year, the best year you can have, you might make 5%, five points of profit, you know, and, and, and some years you don't make any profit, you break even. Um, right. And then to go into a business where, into a time where sales are, like J-Red's is 65% down in sales. Uh, you know, I had 32 people on my roster. I now have 10 that work for me that I can bring back and just do takeout and stuff. Uh, to one third of my team, uh, the sales are 65% less. How do you recover? And uh, and how do you manage day over day, right? It's, so it's let's let's possible. talk about that. I know the federal government came through with basically the provincial and municipal property tax help and the electrical and gas bills. How 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 beneficial or how helpful is that to you at this point in time? I mean, the direct operating control stuff like uh, hydro and uh, gas certainly will help because most restaurants are on the hook for that, uh, including us. And they tend to be pretty high in busy times. I mean, it's not, a, you know, expensive hydro is and gases. You get your own home bills. It's always ridiculous. Um, imagine in a restaurant that's, that's now, you know, cooking all day long or the 6,000 square feet like J-Red is, uh, you know, uh, having some relief from the, uh, from the hydro bills and the gas bills will be great. I haven't seen the actual programs out yet. I haven't seen how we access those programs to get the benefits from them. Uh, stuff like municipal property taxes, 
99% of restaurants rent their space from a landlord. So there's no real benefit to the restaurant directly. Uh, the landlord will get a benefit. Uh, if the landlord chooses to, to roll that benefit down to the tenant, that's completely up to them. Uh, a lot still, there's lots of horror stories. I'm fortunate enough, I've got a fabulous landlord uh, that's working really closely with us on getting through, navigating through this whole pandemic. But most landlords are not. Most landlords um, are generalizing, obviously, but but most landlords are, are not applying to the program because, you know, they, they, it just doesn't directly affect them. You know, they, they either get a discount, they keep the discount from themselves, they don't bring it down to the, to the, the tenants. Uh, so these kind of things, like, you know, it's very specific to help the restaurant specifically need um, to survive. You know, and I don't think we're doing a great okay. job of... of, of all right, so let's let's drill down to the municipal level because you know I know that uh, the city of Brampton has a huge economic development team. They tweet out about what they're doing, and uh, you know uh, they spent uh, they gave Global uh, Toronto Global, which is uh, basically they look for investment uh, overseas or indirect uh, investment uh, for businesses to come, uh, you know, to you know Brampton at this time. But they gave them one hundred and seventy thousand uh, dollars for uh, direct in, uh, investment overseas and I'm thinking well why would you give $170,000 to Toronto Global for you know overseas investment during a pandemic it makes no sense if I'm overseas I'm not going to be involving you know direct investment into any kind of thing overseas in regards to you know coming to Brampton um, what has the city done or not done to be able to help small and medium-sized businesses in the hospitality industry in Brampton you know, one of the one of the areas that um, that has always been a, a, a point of contention for me, uh, you know, being a business owner, and my wife and I own multiple businesses. We don't just have J Reds; we have three or other businesses in in, uh, in Brampton as well uh, that employ a lot of people. They're big businesses. Um, you know, it, it's the the real lack of a program to drive local market. Um, it, it seems like we're always looking outside. How do we bring this in the outside? How do we focus on this? Uh, bringing other people into the city. Uh, how do we find other companies that can come into the city? Uh, the reality is, is we've got a city with 700,000 people in it uh, that have, uh, it's a huge economic base uh, and no portal for them to, to drive local store usage. Uh, and I think the municipality has not done a great job with uh, putting, its, putting its Brampton businesses forward to the Brampton residents. You know, I think uh, that's an obligation the city has that they skirted around or they're just, they, maybe they can't put their finger on it. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, I don't think it's that difficult, but they can't seem to find um, a message, a clear message of how do they drive to local residents in Brampton about using your local businesses first. Let's stabilize those businesses. Let's help them grow. Let's keep them open, something as simple as that, before we even think about going outside to do anything, you know? And there's a huge market there. I, mean, I, uh, I just don't think there's a good understanding. I can speak specifically from a restaurant standpoint. There certainly isn't a good understanding uh, in the municipality about how restaurants work and where the client bases come from to fill those restaurants. Yeah, well, I think that's a good point because, you know, I, all I see is, you know, uh, a tag manager, a shop local. Uh, you know, to me, that's, you know, that's the bare minimum. Basically, you got a great grade five education. You could come up with that slogan, shop local. It's like it doesn't do anything, right? So it's like, yeah, I can shop local, but if everything's closed, I'm going somewhere else. I, I think the onus is basically on the city to come up. You have an economic development team at the city. What are we, you know, all these people get good paychecks. You know, this is what we should be concentrating on. I know they have a task force. Uh, for small and medium-sized businesses that was uh, set up, I think, uh, in the springtime uh, to help businesses through the pandemic. But I haven't seen anything concrete. 
and you know, uh, you're in the business and you haven't seen anything concrete. Uh, there's been places closed up. You know, a lot of our, our restaurants are in strip malls in, in Brampton and what you mentioned in regards to a general portal or a hub, to me, that's a great idea, right? I would, I would love to see something going on in the city uh, in regards to that. Yeah, I mean, it should, it should, it should be something like, I mean, the, the city's got access to a great advertising platform even for locally. You know, they should be should be spending a, a, bunch, a bunch of money on, on advertising, on bus stops, on billboards, you know, whatever this whatever this cool website is, to really try and drive people. I mean, I don't know how many times you you talking to your wife, uh, when I like, let's go out for dinner. Like, oh, where do we go? Uh, I can't think, I can't think, I can't think. You end up at the easiest place. You're halfway through your meal, and you're like, oh, my God, we should have went here for dinner. I totally forgot about it, you know. Um, so I think there's a real opportunity for the city to help local businesses by creating these portals and using its own channels with inside the city to drive this top of mind marketing uh, for people, go for whether they're getting takeout, whether they're uh, whether they're going to a restaurant, whether they're um, ordering from Skip the Dishes. It's all just about reminding people constantly that you know you, you've got to support your local businesses, and and here's a really easy way to do it with a, with a quick portal that has everything listed. Uh, you can find all the restaurants here by style, by cuisine, by uh, uh, entertainment value, whatever you need, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, you know what? Uh, you know, I go to Vegas every year. Uh, not this year, obviously, but I mean, Vegas does a great job of marketing and doing that as well. I mean, if you go to Vegas, you can find anything across the board whenever you want it. That town is made for for you know the portal thing. I would love to see you know their economic development team reach out to business owners like yourself and actually you know get input. Have you know at this point in time, you're telling me they haven't even approached you for any kind of ideas going forward. Well, you know what? I mean, the, the city has been talking to us. So I, I can't fault them all for that. They, I can see they're working on it. Like, you know, they got the committees. You know, they're asking lots of questions. I've done I've done lots of interviews and uh, and meetings with uh, consultants they're using uh, to help develop a program. Uh, my I guess my big question is I, I feel like this is uh, just ongoing. Not, nothing ever gets finished. Um, you know, I opened J Red six years well, ago. How long, I, how long are you going to wait? Are you going to wait for a year till the pandemic is okay. over? I mean, this is a situation now. It's like, yeah, you know, this is the thing: is like, move it, now. Yeah, this is proactive stuff. Like this is stuff that should have been done years ago, um, and that that wasn't. That would help in these tough times. Nobody could see a pandemic coming or this kind of catastrophe coming, but it still doesn't matter. It, you you still have a responsibility for local businesses as your municipality, right. and you should be doing it in your power to be driving your, your local users, your community into those local businesses first and foremost. But, you know, I, I love people coming to my restaurant from Milton, uh, but the reality is, is I'd much rather have somebody from down the street in Brampton come multiple times a month as opposed to one person from Milton that comes twice a year because it's a special occasion. I'm super happy to have them, but it, but you know, the, the users in Brampton are much more important. We're a local restaurant, we're a community restaurant, we're bought in Maine. Like, you know, it, it's a restaurant that requires the individuals uh, that live around us to come to it, otherwise we can't survive, right? Okay, so you know what? Um, let's see what the city does. Hopefully, I know that they watch it, and we'll see if they can actually, you know, do any kind of proactive marketing as well. Uh, I know we have a brand the board of trade and a BIA. I don't see much uh, from those uh, two organizations at this point as well. So the other thing that I want to talk to you about is you're still open. You're doing takeout. Why don't you tell us, uh, you know, how people can access your takeout? Do they need to? Can they just call up, or do they need to give you a day ahead of time, or what's the procedure that you know your takeout is? Sure. Uh, so yeah, so we are open. Uh, we we do have a small patio available if you if you can brave brave the cold weather. We're allowed to use that. Um, but the primary <laughs> business for us 
Uh, we've got, uh, we're on all three food platforms, Skip the Dishes, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Um, what we do do, though, is is, uh, is we do t- a lot of takeout. You can call the restaurant at any time. We have some really great promotions going on. We have a, we have a $75, uh, two apps, two mains, and a bottle of wine for 75 bucks plus your tax, um, which is a great deal. You can call the restaurant. We're, we are giving a 15% discount to individuals that, that call the restaurant and come and pick up their food. Um, as opposed to using DoorDash or, or Skip the Dishes, because obviously those food platforms take a huge amount of, of, um, of the share of the transaction, somewhere up of 30%. Um, the other side of it is we've also got delivery, believe it or not. We, we, we have our guys just to keep everybody employed. We've decided that we're going to do delivery as much as we can. So you can call the restaurant. You have the option of, of coming to pick up your takeout or having us deliver it for you. It's five bucks for us to deliver it. We, we deliver within a three-kilometer radius. Uh, nine bucks if we have to go a little bit farther. Um, but that is the kind of thing that really helps a restaurant and, and uh, is easier for customers and our guests to, to get access to J Red Food. So uh, we're open seven days a week, four to ten o'clock, uh, for, for again all three food platforms, takeout and delivery. All right. Well, thank you, Jason. Uh, we'll be uh, making sure that uh, you know if you want to come back and talk about how things are going, uh, we'll we'll maybe talk to you you know before 28 days or after 28 days to see what's uh, what's going on. You've been in the staple in Brampton now for about, uh, what is it, four years. So hopefully you can uh, ride out the wave because I think Brampton needs more restaurants. Uh, You've seen some of the downtown area close and it's unfortunate. But what we do need is we need more more nightlife, more bars and restaurants. But uh, I think a lot of people will be celebrating on New Year's Eve, uh, the end of uh, 2020. That may be a good a good uh, post signpost for you to sort of, uh, yeah. you know, stock up on the champagne because I think a lot of people are going to yeah. be buying massive cases of champagne on New Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think it's going to be a pretty big night. So, <laughs> I know uh, I'm going to well, Thanks, Jason. We'll talk to you again. Thanks, Todd. Well, that was interesting. He had a lot of good perspective on uh, what was going on in the restaurant industry or not going on in the restaurant and the hospitality industry in Brampton. So we will be looking forward to uh, talking to Jason in the future. And um, Faz, you want to say any last words, basically? Yeah, no, that was a great discussion with Jason. And, um, it, you know, we have been, uh, Brampton Focus has been working on uh, a solution one of many solutions that I think small businesses need. We are a small business as well, and we are in the uh, kind of the video uh, live streaming uh, business. And so, what uh, you guys were talking about about a portal, you know, so we're going to have some solutions to help organizations or small businesses like Jason's um, restaurant and his other businesses um, to kind of promote themselves. And if the city can, yeah. uh, you know, kind of push that along, that would be great. Um, so, you know, we're we're about a two or three weeks away from announcing anything there, but you know, I. That's the kind of feedback we're hearing from all businesses, right? They need help in promoting people to come out and, and buying their products and services. They don't need a slogan on a, on, a, on, a, you know, uh, on a website. They need actual people being driven to their business. Because they're there, they're set up. Why well, the would we thing- want to start a brand new, who's going to start a brand new business in, is in now, right? We got to keep no. what we got open. Well, that's the thing. And, you know, small and medium sized business owners, they start their business because they're passionate about what their business is. They're not there to set up websites. They don't understand, you know, the the marketing concept as well, but they can't afford a, a full marketing team. You know, what we're going to be offering to a lot of businesses going forward is the ability to be able to get it and use social media at an affordable cost. Uh, something that, uh, you know, we're good at. We understand. We know the market and we know how to market uh, you know the uh, the aspect of uh, 
of video entertaining basically and video messaging and that's the whole point right uh, and, and I think it's something that, you know, you have to be ahead of the curve or you're going to be behind it and left behind. And especially, you know, they've extended the serve out to next summer. So this pandemic is not going to be over in 2021 either. It's going to be sort of blending into that. And it's going to it's going to take a lot of uh, innovative solutions to keep your business afloat. Well, even when the pandemic is done, as Jason was saying, it's like, are people going to come back out to restaurants the, the way they did? So Jason set up his business for the for the way it was, you know, 12 months ago. Uh, two years right. from now, is it, how are we going to get back there? I know the airline industry isn't expecting things to get back to, to the way it was last year for, what, five to ten years. Um, so yeah. you, we have to readjust everything. We have to change the way we do everything. Uh, you know, we talked a lot about the city's economic development department. You know, I don't know how much money goes into that, that department, but they need to change how they're operating. Right. We the, I yeah, can't yeah, see any no large company in, coming to Brampton yeah. to set up shop. I'd rather see us focus on small and medium sized businesses and growing them. Yeah. And it's, you know, like if you follow Arlene Dickinson on uh, Twitter, uh, you know, she tweeted out the other day or earlier this week talking about, you know, supporting small and medium sized businesses, because that's the important yeah. aspect. If you have just large chains in, you know, whether you have Amazon or Home Depot, these are large chains that basically you know, most of their money, their profits, 80% actually go outside of uh, the municipality that they're in. They don't reinvest into the community. And if the times get tough, they can basically, they can leave their million dollars or million square foot uh, imprint and then just leave and it's, you know, it's left, right? You're, you're, not, you're not supporting local. And, and just like I said, the slogan support local is not going to cut it. You have to you have to come up with some hard solutions and you know you can't wait a year uh, down the road you know committee after committee meeting and talking you, you need action now you're not going to be able to just to to help everyone but you know you should be able to have something where you can help some people and small businesses also have to step up as well you can't wait and expect somebody to come bail you out uh, yeah, help is is uh, important, but you you know last week we made the offer for uh, small businesses who want to get some video help to contact us. You know, uh, if you haven't contacted us, a you probably didn't watch the show, or b why didn't you contact us, right? So yeah. there are a lot of businesses in Brampton. We only can service so many, so we made that offer, uh, and we're, that offer is going to go away at some point, right? Because we are getting a lot of uh, activity. And, and we're going to have to start charging significant prices uh, to what we do. Right. So, you know, going ahead, if, uh, going ahead, if anyone wants to contact us, uh, you can contact myself at don at uh, citystudio.ca or fazel at citystudio.ca. Send us an email. Uh, if you've got any kind of ideas on topics or, or subjects that you want to cover or for us to cover and talk about, uh, whether it be in Mississauga, Brampton or Caledon, uh, contact us and uh, we'll see what we can do. So thank you for joining another another episode and uh, we'll see you next Sunday.